Welcome to Beneath the Wing. Just like air passing over the wing of an aircraft provides lift, the people we meet can also give us lift in life by sharing their stories of strength and success, connecting us all. Beneath the Wing explores the stories of those connected with the Minnesota Air National Guard's 133rd Airlift Wing with a little humor and learning along the way. I'm your host, Wing Command Chief Mark Legvold. Neil Bacon joins me today on Beneath the Wing. He's currently, this. tell me if I get this wrong, Superintendent of Air Transportation Function. That's uh, mostly correct. I'm the full-time superintendent. Full-time superintendent, which means you have a traditional person, one weekend a month guard guy or gal, mm-hmm. that comes in and takes over running the shop on drill weekends, and then you just go right back to packing shoots. <laughs> Sounds like it's, it's it's a little more complicated than that, but yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into it, and we'll learn a little bit more about what air transportation function actually does. Basically, if you're not familiar with um, how an Air, Air Force base or a wing runs, they're the place on base where airmen prepare cargo and people for their ride on our 100% first class seats, uh, C-130s, and other cargo planes. And you're also a deployment warrior. We'll get into that. A talented musician and expectant father. All of those are mostly correct. I'm so glad. <laughs> And uh, in fact, this is a special edition of our podcast because you're my first musical guest. Welcome, Neil. Hello. It's good to be here. Yeah. All right. So you joined at the ripe age of 18 years and nine days. I did. I did the math. I don't do math very well. What? And it was March of 2001. Mm-hmm. What inspired you to join? I always wanted to be in the Air Force. Um, I had aspirations of being a pilot, a fighter pilot. And going to the academy, I had actually uh, did a family trip out to Colorado and saw the academy when I was younger and was just awestruck by it all. Uh, and that, that whole idea of flying, flying something like that was incredible to me. It turns out that you have to be um, smart <laughs> to do that. <laughs> Which is why we are sitting here together. Right, today, you right, I, right, yeah. Um, I apparently didn't take my high school studies as seriously as I should have in order to make that happen. Which is another reason why we are sitting here together, <laughs> you and I, today. Well, this, this is like looking in a mirror. Yeah. <laughs> but 18, 18 years and nine days. I mean, like, mm-hmm. right at age Yeah, 18. it was. Um, my dad actually worked with somebody who was a member here um, at the time and knew that I wanted to be in the military in some shape or form. So I came down here and looked at a drill weekend. And uh, got hooked up with Sheila Jessen, and it was done. Fantastic. Sheila was your recruiter. Yeah. Awesome. She's our next guest on the podcast. Oh, no way. Absolutely. Yep, looking forward to that one. I'll intro her at the end of this when we we get done talking. So uh, family friend got you hooked into the guard, and Mm -hmm. and now here you are. Have you always been a part of air transportation function? I have always been a part of the air transportation career field, yes. Okay, which has been, you're on the third name change for that shop. Yes. Small air terminal. <laughs> right, well, we were the, the squadron. Aeroport, right? You're right, aerial port squadron, yeah. and then we got um, moved into LRS. At that time, we were the small air terminal, and now we are the ATF, air right. transportation function. Yep, so you went from being your own squadron to being moved into our logistics readiness squadron, mm-hmm. and uh, has it come with a downsize every time? Has the structure changed? So, you know, when we went from a squadron 
um, to being, you know, taken in by a squadron, there was, we had over 100 people in our, in our squadron in the air, airport. Um, and then when we got moved into LRS, our numbers went down to 47 with an officer. So through attrition, some people moved on and, and some people retiring over time, we were able to get to our numbers. You've been able to see all that stuff happen. What's, what's the hardest part of all that change in one organization that you've seen? Sure. It's, it's interesting because I can only answer that question in the perspective that I was in at the time. Uh -huh. So when that LRS transition happened, um, I was a, a staff tech. And for me, it was uh, seeing a lot of good friends go, you know, um, the people that I had spent a lot of time with. So organizationally, it's tough for me to say what the challenges were because I just wasn't at that level at the time, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and not just for us, but I, I assume too for the LRS that was there at the time, you know, how are we going to work these aerial porters into our structure as well? So I would assume that that would have been a pretty good challenge. And, and uh, current General Best um, was the commander at the time. So she got to deal with that. She got to deal <laughs> with it. And now she has also been on the podcast. So mm -hmm. gee, we'll find somebody uh, to have on there next that you haven't name dropped yet. That's just fine. <laughs> hey, um, going through all of that change, you are, what, 16 years into your career. How many deployments have you been on? Uh, I have, well, it depends on what you call a deployment. Um, so technically I've been to seven different locations. Okay. Um, and two of those locations were during the same technically activation in okay. 2003. All right. So uh, I usually say seven. Where's the most interesting? Hmm. The most interesting was Balad, um, 2004. Just because there was so much action. There was, you know, we were, that's kind of right in the Sunni Triangle, as they called it at the time. Yep. Just north of Baghdad. And it was every day, multiple uh, indirect attacks. You were still pretty young in your career back then. I was. So... How did you, how did your family of people working that together deal with the stress and uh, maybe the difficulty there? Well, I didn't tell them a whole lot back home. Um, you know, I didn't, didn't really want to make mom nervous right. as much as I could. Um, but, you know, it was one of those things where, as at the time, it was already to the point where you could watch the news and, and see what was going on. So it, it wasn't a real secret mm -hmm. that there were attacks happening, but... Um, it wasn't so much there while I was in Balad, because um, you just kind of go through it, right? You're there to do a job, and there are certain procedures you have to do for every attack, and a lot of people understand what those are. It was coming back, coming back home, for me was was more of a struggle. How so? Um, I I I did end up having some alcohol addiction issues. Um, there's actually been uh, a couple of times where my career was a little fuzzy whether or not I was going to be able to continue. But, um, so at the time yeah, I, I got a DUI and, uh, my commander at the time was like, look, either, either you're going to get help or you're, or you're done. You're gone. So that was an easy decision for me. Um, so did some inpatient, inpatient treatment at the St. Cloud VA and got some help and started doing some therapy and stuff like that. So, How's your guard family supported you in that? 
Um, pretty significantly on, on a number of, of levels, um, not the least of which was when I had to do my security clearance again, um, that got brought up. And that was one of the things that also was close to like, <laughs> if I don't have my security clearance, I can't do my job. Right. So I had a number of senior NCOs and chiefs and um, people that wrote letters in support of me um, acknowledging that I had made progress and, and that I was serious about um, taking my issues seriously. So that's huge. And obviously I, would, I wouldn't be here um, being able to, to make the small impact that I make today mm -hmm. without them and their support. You're, you're now, the, the shoe is kind of on the other foot because now you are that full-time superintendent mm -hmm. leading people, taking care of not just getting cargo and people processed, but also taking care of the human souls that you're responsible mm -hmm. for. Did the experience that you had uh, with your alcohol addiction and going through post-deployment, has that made you a better supervisor? Uh, there's no doubt in my mind. Yeah. Um, mostly, probably mostly because I can, I can identify some symptoms um, easier than, than if I hadn't gone through that myself. And um, knowing what steps need to be taken in order to facilitate a recovery and, and build a support system around that person. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have that knowledge without going through that. And just giving people a second chance, I think, mm -hmm. in general. And not saying, you have messed up or you did something wrong and that's it. You're done. We don't want you. Being able to see potential in people and understand that people do make mistakes. Some mistakes are worse than others, obviously. But yeah. um, being able to find um, within your unit and within the individuals within your unit the good that is in them and that can be brought out and, and put to good use within our mission. You think you're better at seeing the potential in people just because you were given that same amount of grace? Uh, it's tough to say. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that I can. I'm I'm a soothsayer or anything like that, and I can see into people's brains. But I think it does. It helps when I have conversations with people, and I'm comfortable with talking about certain subjects like that because I do have experience, and I can say I know it's tough right now, uh -huh. but there are things you can do, and you can get out of it, and it it is going to be okay. Good point. Um, so not, not wanting to do math, I did get a little bit of in-depth detail on what makes Neil Bacon, Neil Bacon. And can you mm. explain to me the difference between a 179 day deployment and a six month deployment? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Who on earth did you talk I can't, to? I can't That's reveal. I'm a good professional yeah. journalist That's over here. Unreal. <laughs> um, yeah. So one of my deployments I, I volunteered, volunteered to go, and it was by myself, and people, people were asking me how long the deployment was, and I was like, you know, 179 days, four months, and this was like three days before I was leaving, and one of my supervisors was like, uh, Neil, <laughs> that's six months. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man, that's too funny. But That's too funny. So yeah, speaking of math, not my strong suit. A little, little more paying attention in high school. Right, I know. Right, man. 30, 60, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
that's like looking a, that up. I got week. absolutely. I am. Uh, I am here for you, and it's not the first time that we've had math difficulties on the podcast. So you're in great company. <laughs> I have to say. Um, so seven different deployments. Um, Blot, obviously, one of the toughest mm-hmm. or most stressful. Is the what was the easiest? I mean, some of these deployments. It's a good deal deployment. What was the good deal deployment for you? Uh, the good deal deployment for me was Kuwait City in 2006. Um, and I was at the international airport, and we were staying off base, downtown Kuwait, five-star hotel, four per diem, um, like literally steak, breakfast in the morning, Ugh. you know, pool, and you could take a dip in the, in the Gulf if you wanted to, and... There were other challenges with that one, but overall, that was... Um, we did end up having to move because some higher-up came down and saw what was going on, and we got moved to Ali al-Saleem. So, like, half of the deployment was gravy. Uh-huh. And then we had to drive back and forth and, you know, get an escort every day back and forth. And I was the VCO for that trip, too. What's a VCO? Uh, vehicle Control Officer. Got it. What do they do? They take care of all the vehicles, make sure that the 1800s are good to go, anything that needs to be done, they get it to maintenance and that kind of stuff. And when you're driving in Kuwait, nobody goes the speed limit. And we were always told to not stop. So if there were any stoppages on the road, we would just drive off into the desert and go around and speed off and and keep going. Well, there's rocks also in the desert. And I wrote up, I don't know, probably 50 windshields oh for, for rocks, cracks in the windshield. Because it's not so. just one car going. It's Right, yeah, it's, it's a convoy. So, yeah. yeah, that kept me busy. I'll bet it did. <laughs> I'll bet it did. Still, I mean, staying in a hotel for half of that. Yeah. Was that a no six-month deployment or 179 <laughs> days? Just checking. Yeah. Both. <laughs> it was a little bit longer than that, actually. So, uh Another part of your job out here, um, when you're in a deployed environment, you're packing up what we call pallets, right? Can you describe what a pallet is and what packing something up entails? Why do we need people that are good at packaging cargo in a deployed environment? Yeah, so overall logistics is, is an important aspect of, of the overall system. Um, I consider it a weapon system. Um, Worldwide mobility is is a key factor in our ability to um, have our global dominance. So, building up a pallet. Of, so to start off with your your first question, a pallet is called a four six three L pallet, and it is part of a system within the Air Force transportation system, where each cargo plane is able to accept these metal pallets that have dents in them that are able to lock into the rails on Air Force aircraft. So when I think of a pallet. I mean, I'm just a, you know, I think of that wood thing that I see forklifts mm-hmm. picking up. Right. Same thing? Very different. Very different. Okay. Very different. So, <laughs> so in our, in, for us, that's a skid. That's a wood skid. Oh, all right. Um, so a pallet for us is 108 by 88 inch wide um, metal aluminum, aluminum cased balsa wood inside pallet. That, uh, that everything goes on. The reason that you need people that are good at that is because the safety of flight is paramount. 
can't have, obviously you can't have cargo rolling around when you have passengers or, or just for the safety of the crew. So you have to be able to strap uh, cargo down to the pallet using net sets or a number of different things you can use change for vehicles or, and things like that. So um, that's, that's why it's important. That's why transporters are important. Not only that, but we have specialized vehicles that are built for those pallets, mm -hmm. K-loaders. We call them uh, obviously forklifts too, and oh, by the way, where do you buy a K loader? Oh, from the K loader store, right? Like Kmart. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Right off snowing. I just wanted to lead you right <laughs> into that bad joke that I've had waiting. Where do you buy a K loader? Yeah, Kmart. Kmart. Got it. Okay. Right. <laughs> good one. Thanks. This is fun. This I'll is be good. here all afternoon. <laughs> okay, so back to why this is important and how how you do your job. Does it take a lot of people to build up a cargo pallet and get it out on the plane? Mm, so it doesn't take a lot of people to to do that per se, but there are. It depends on your location and the ops tempo. You, usually, you're not putting building one pallet and putting it on one plane. Mm -hmm. um, C17 that we work with uh, obviously can have up to 18 pallets. Uh, uh, C5 um, can have up to 36. So. That's a lot of pallets to build, yeah, and a lot of equipment that it takes to get on for to get on the aircraft. And you have to have load team members, and um, you know, building up the pallet is one part of it. You also, of course, the government you have to document everything, and everything has to be tracked correctly, and yeah, put RFID tags on everything so it can get pinged as it's going over there, so that commanders on the other side don't go, "Where's all my stuff? Come on, air report. Yeah, where's my stuff? Should be able to do that pretty quickly." Yeah, but it takes people. It sure does. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I know you're a musician, and I've, I kind of teased it a little bit and told you, hey, can you can you bring your guitar and, and play a little bit? And you've been good about saying, sure. Um, you want to play a song for us? I can play a song. I, I appreciate it, because you brought your guitar, and that would just look silly if it just sat in the corner. <laughs> um, where do you get your information for your songs while you're, while you're setting up? Um, my information... So, like, where do I get my inspiration? Yeah, your inspiration. Oh, uh, a lot of the stuff um, on the on the album that I just put out. I'm gonna get we'll that in we'll there. plug it, sure. Yeah, um, a lot of it did come from being overseas and and relationships you know, gained and lost uh -huh. <laughs> while overseas. And uh, yeah, you know, it it there's really no I don't know secret to it. Like sometimes I'll just be walking. Walking, literally walking, and, and something comes into my head. And I go, oh, that sounds kind of neat. And that's the hard part, though, because now I have to keep it in my head uh -huh. until I can get to a point where I can record it. And, and then sometimes they're great. So you start with the guitar riff and then build the, the, the lyrics around no, it or vice versa? It, it, it really varies. Um, sometimes I'll have an idea for a lyric, and I'll just kind of start writing, and I start building around that. And then I have to try and go, and depending on what the thought process is behind the lyrics, kind of do something. I just start riffing on the guitar or whatever. A lot of times it starts from just a drum beat. Oh. Um, and I'll and I'll kind of reverse what I just said. So I'll start a drum beat, and I'll just kind of play a guitar around that. And then depending on what the guitar sounds like, I'll kind of put some lyrics in, happy, sad, whatever. Um, so yeah, for, for me it varies. Some, right. some musicians are like super like, this is how I do it. Um, but that's, I don't know. It's, it's, what are you going to play for us? Uh, so this is, uh, this is a cover okay. um, by a, 
a band called Middle Brother, um, who is the lead singer for, for Middle Brother's name is Taylor Goldsmith, and he's the lead singer for a band called Dawes as well, which is, I'm a big fan of, okay? Um, so this is uh, Middle Brother. It's called Wilderness. All right. To know each other well enough, we might end up as friends. Logging along with everyone, but recently I'm spent. I'm most happy when I'm dreaming of success. And all my good friends call me Wilderness. And every book I read gives different reasons to be free. And I'm being asked to say goodbye to the man I'll never be. I'm mostly happy with how things are winding up, I guess. And all my good friends call me wilderness. I plan to be the guy who when he drinks, he disappoints. They'll say you'll kill yourself before you know it. Well, isn't that the it all the more easier to digest. Now my good friends call me wilderness. And I'm waiting for the day I can explain myself to you. Just because it's honest, that doesn't make it true. And that's the answer to the questions we had left. And all my good friends call me I found out my reasons in a plan to be a star To shine along in the sunrise Towards which I played no part I'm not invited, but I hope they're having guests And all my good friends call me wilderness I feel like I should clap <laughs> Yeah. But I'm the only one in here, so that just, that's awesome. Um, sing a song a little later on. Well, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure. I'll, I'll be uh, persuasive here. Um, quick question. Yeah. Have you ever gotten to where you're supposed to go only to realize you've forgotten something really important? <sighs> Man, what, what on earth? This is incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, I've, I've, I, uh, a couple times I did deploy, um, without my gas mask one time. So that was bad. And they had to send it. And another time I forgot my mobility folder, my entire mobility folder. So the mo mobility folder for people that don't wear a uniform is, it's a, it's a literal folder that has all of our important have to have information like, um, how to get a hold of people back home if something happens. Orders. Or, or, or orders or, oh, you forgot that. I did. Hmm. I did. Someone told me about that. Yeah, I, I can. Uh, you yeah. find yourself to be a forgetful person? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's actually pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't, like, I don't, 
I don't want to out myself too much here, but I, I always, um, I'm aware that my memory isn't great. So I have to rely on other people to inform me of things I've said or emails that I've sent. Um, so it's good to have a team. It's great to have a team and I've got a good one. Absolutely. So speaking of team, um, one of the members of our team out here is Molly Holm. She's our new family program manager, and I've asked her to come on and give us a quick commercial break while Neil picks up his guitar and uh, comes, we'll come back after commercial break where Molly gets to introduce herself, talk a little bit about our family programs out here at the 133rd Airlift Wing. You're listening to Beneath the Wing with my special musical guest, Neil Bacon. Stick around. Hi, everyone. I'm Molly Holm, the Airman and Family Readiness Program Manager with the 133rd Airlift Wing. The mission of our program is to provide our airmen and families with resources, support, and services that ensure mission readiness and strong, resilient families and loved ones. Examples of this support include navigating the deployment cycle, personal financial matters, assisting with the transition assistance program, employment considerations, and of course, emergency assistance when needed. We also have a great key volunteer network here at the 133rd in which our family member volunteers support one another and help to balance the military lifestyle. Please reach out if we can help you or your fellow airmen or family in any way. Our phone number is 612-713-2367. Again, that's 612-713-2367. Thanks, Molly. I've been sitting here visiting with Neil Bacon on Beneath the Wing. He's agreed to play us another song as we roll in off a break. So what are you going to play for us? So this is called I'm Not. It is the second track um, on my album. Did you write it? I did. Okay, so we talked about how you come up with, how, how you write your songs. So how did you write this song? This song was kind of like what I was talking about. My first deployment, I had a girlfriend. She was gone. She said goodbye. While you were gone. While I was gone. Did you get a Dear Neil letter? Uh, I think I did. Oh my actually. gosh. I can't imagine. I think I did. If I cry at the end of this song, it's going to be a bad day. The rest <laughs> of this interview is going to be bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that, that was the impetus for this one. All right. Hit it. Yeah. 
just can't wait And I don't know why You used to sing these songs Late at night Late at right So you stay with me I promise we will be so happy, baby to wait and see, yeah, some long way till I kiss you on my nose, till I miss you on my life, till I'm with you. But you wanna go away, leave me in dismay, but I'm Till I kiss you, I'm not alone. Till I miss you, I'm not alive. Till I'm with you, yeah, yeah. But you won't go away, leave me in dismay. But I'm begging, please, please stay, please stay, please stay. No, I was uh, uh, <laughs> That was awesome. And you, you wrote that all by yourself. How long does writing a song like that take you? Um, so that one, um, that one was not long. I, I wrote that one pretty quickly when I started. You know, some songs just go. Yeah. And you can get it all down. But I wrote that one in, in like 2004. So it took me a while to get to now where yeah. I'm actually able to get a band together and record it and, and release it. Tell so I've listened to a few of your songs um, that you've actually recorded. You're good just all by yourself. Where do you find people to you know come together as a band? Do you just like take out an ad on Craigslist? Yeah, that's say, a really good question. So one of my biggest influences is my uncle, um, who has been playing uh, in the Twin Cities for the better part of thirty years. I think even more than that now. Um, absolutely phenomenal. Um, guitarist and songwriter and singer so I called him and I was like hey I want to record this album he's like okay so he hooked me up with his a bass player that he plays with a lot um, John Wright and so he's got the studio so I did the studio and then I already had a, so I had a bass player and I had a guitar player my uncle um, my uncle Paul and I mean they're connected with a whole bunch of people sure. in the Twin Cities so we got a got a great drummer and um, a keyboard player, and uh, I actually had my brother um, do some harmony on one of the songs as no well. Kidding. So, yeah. So you sound like your brother. We do. I, I think we do sound alike um, to a certain extent. I, I think it worked out really well in the song that we did, um, "Far Away from You." Cool. Our, our voices blend pretty well. So awesome. How long did it take 
to record an album's worth. And then there's all the after work. Did you sure. do the production piece of it too? Yeah, so the we did the basic tracking in like two days. Um, so we, we basically recorded seven seven tracks in two days, and that was you know with my uncle there and the drummer, and just to get the basics down. So I would play like on a microphone and just kind of playing, and then all their stuff was recorded, and then all my stuff was taken out. So then I went back, and then I did the real guitar parts and the real vocal parts and stuff okay. like that. So That's a lot of work. Uh, it was, you know, it, it, it is a lot of work. I mean, it's obviously a, a, a labor of love, but I, I have responsibilities here. Yeah. And that has to come first. So um, finding time to get everything together is, has been a challenge, but it's definitely been worth it. Real side gig. I mean, real, a real side gig. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I don't know. There's not a whole lot of cash coming in yet, but uh, <laughs> maybe someday. This podcast will make you a maybe, star. Let maybe. me tell you. Never know. <laughs> Never know. How are you? Uh, I mean, obviously, music is such a huge part of your life, and mm -hmm. now your life's getting ready to change here significantly. Um, how are you going to, or what, what emotions are you wrestling with right now? Becoming a father, keeping your job here, you still have some time to go before you're eligible to retire, and then this labor of love, which is music. Yeah. Um, what do you think is big on the uh, on the horizon as all this big change comes? Yeah, into I, I'm, I'm. To be honest, I haven't had to, I haven't thought about it too much. I mean, I probably should be. Um, my my beautiful wife is like three weeks. In like three weeks, we'll we're we should be having a, a baby girl. So, um, but like all of a sudden last week, they told us that we have to have all our funding in. Oh boy, yeah, that's right. And the wings. So I've been focusing on that and getting orders and PTS So we have this thing called a fiscal year out here and we have to spend our, our money before the end and they never really tell us yeah. how much money you have to spend yeah. until like the last two days yeah. that you have yeah, to get, get it all done. Yeah. But so no, but in, in all seriousness, um, it's obviously something and, and my wife and I have had struggles in the past, yeah. um, um, trying to trying to have a family, so uh, for us, it's it's such a huge blessing, um, and for us, faith is really big. So it, it it's just it, it means so much to us, and the support that we've had um, getting to this point. But I don't know. I've never had a baby before. I don't I don't even know what I should be feeling. Yeah. Um, it's different for her. Obviously, she feels a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, but yeah, doing the car seat thing and yeah. and trying to figure out. All that stuff. Daughters are awesome. I've, I've got one out of the six, you know, biological and steps that I have. I, I got, we have one daughter in our family and it's, uh, it's great. It's great. Very excited. Yeah. But there's challenges that will help you write songs. Sure. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm plan on doing, plan on doing a lot of songwriting. I think that'll be a, a good thing. And, uh, you got a lullaby in mind yet? You know, I not not quite. It's funny. My my wife is a harpist, and oh, really? um, so she she actually did some recording herself, and she's got harp lullabies that that she did. Um, so I don't really have to do that. This she, is, she can take care of the lullaby stuff. That is great. You can uh, <laughs> you can do a little bit of the rock and roll, and she yeah, can do some there of that. I'm going to ask you to play another song for us. You got one in mind? <laughs> no, I well. didn't have that one in mind. <laughs> I'll let you uh, I'll let you come up with something. It would just be a shame. Uh, you know, to have you drag that guitar all the way from across base to, to yes, talk to I me. Know. It's tough on Murano. Um, 
while you're getting ready and coming up with a good idea, we had a pretty big event out here um, where our entire wing just kind of took a breather after a very, very busy year and dealing with COVID and um, deployments and last second deployments to Washington, D.C. and all that, uh, all that we had going on. We just kind of took a breather and we had some live music. We had a band and they shared the stage with you for about 45 good minutes of great music. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know I thanked you there. I, I wanted to thank you again for doing that. I think the, the folks out here, not only does it show the great talent that we have out here at the wing when you were able to do that, but just the cool support that we have for one another out here because it was just great. Everybody mm-hmm. just, if we back in the day when we had cigarette lighters, I think everybody would right. have a lighter up in the air <laughs> right. while you were singing. Yeah. It, was, it was just great, yeah. Neil. And um, it was so fun to, to have you share that day and just let everybody take a take a break and go, and we really like each other around here. Mm-hmm. That was cool. Yeah, yeah, it was important to do um, after everything, after the, you know the year and a half that we've had, and yeah. and realize that hey, we can we can do this again. We can relax a yeah. little bit. A little bit. I don't know. Who knows what's going on? All right. Well, hit us with another song, would you? <clears throat> sure. Uh, this is another cover um, by another influential band for me, Third Eye Blind. So I like to call these deep tracks. These are deep tracks. Yeah, songs that aren't well known by well known bands. <laughs> Perfect. Where's Third Eye Blind from? San Francisco. Got it. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry, something. Well, while you're doing that, I've always wondered why guitars have to fiddle with the, the tuning on their guitar. If they really actually do make a change or if that's just a fidget. No, they're making changes. They're making, okay. All right, just checking. <laughs> <laughs> I would waste my time with it if I didn't have to. I would have. It just sounds cool. Oh, how do you do it, Boots? 
singing the sweet summer run You're still a recoil like lace And all the little moments I push you away That I can't erase Every moment I'm in love with power 66,000 miles an hour go fidgeting <laughs> on the guitar that's what i would do i might pick it up when i retire but i was thinking ukulele because that yeah that's fun fits me a little bit more it's a fun instrument yeah, yeah. cool good <laughs> now i know who to go to for lessons thanks um okay i would be remiss if i didn't share that you play hockey and sometimes i go out and skate with you um big hockey fan huge hockey fan how big massive like move closer to the XL Energy Center just I, so you can get there. I I would say I did that, but I did do that. <laughs> um, that wasn't the purpose, but it didn't hurt. I did move to to West Seventh um, for a while, and it was easier to just walk to the XL Energy How Center. How nice would that be? Huh? Yeah, that was nice. Your wife a big hockey fan too. She is now. Well, all right. She actually came from a basketball family, so I converted her. That's not a hard conversion. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Not being a big basketball fan, I'm right. much, I would much prefer to watch hockey. Uh, favorite hockey team? Wild. Favorite college team? Gophers. Okay. All right. Well, my my great uncle is uh, his number is retired um, for the Golden Gophers. No John Mayasich. He still holds the vast majority. I've heard of the, the name a time or two. Yep. It's uh, my mom's uncle. Everybody in Minnesota's heard that name, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. Awesome. So it's in the blood. My brother played um, after after high school quite a bit too. Did you play in high school? I did. Okay, so for people that listen to the podcast that aren't from Minnesota, high school hockey is a huge thing where our professional rink gets absolutely filled up with fans watching high school hockey when we get to our tournament. Did you play in the tourney? No, my brother did. Okay. Yep. Which which town? Princeton. Okay. So not a big town. Nope. Um, but yeah, he uh, he played. That was super fun, and uh, I certainly did not. Yeah. I he my brother was better than me at hockey by the time I was like fifteen. Well, <laughs> not everybody can be a star, right? Right, and it's funny because he actually he started picking up a guitar. He's just playing a little bit of guitar now too. We told him like, no, no, you cannot be better than me at both hockey and guitar. Not gonna happen. <laughs> We don't all have to compete with our brothers. That's no, yes, okay. No, we do. I am. I am. We yeah. do. All right. <laughs> if you want, I can find his find his house and take his guitar away. Okay, let's do some quick questions, and then I'm going to have you play another song. Oh my gosh! So you got to think of one. Um, Wild or North Stars? Ooh, 
Good question. Next question. No. <laughs> Fine. Next question. I'm coming back to it. Neil Diamond or Kevin Bacon? Oh, Neil Diamond. Oh, boy. 179 days or six months. <laughs> I know. I went back to it. Most famous person you've ever met? I have met a couple presidents. Um, I did meet Bill Clinton back in the day. Um, that's probably him. Okay. Dog you most identify with? Hmm. I probably most identify with my my German Shepherd mix. Okay. Um, Summit. All yep. right. Song that makes you tear up. Ooh, ooh, there's a few. Um, um, there's a, there's one, Carrie Underwood, I believe, does one. It's like a religious song. I can't remember it now. This is not quick answer. You're. I'm not okay. I'm doing really bad. I'm doing really bad. I'll just, I'll just say. I don't know, Adele, hello. That's not a real answer, but that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> wild or North Stars? Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to go with the Wild. Um, you know, obviously at first, it's taken a little while, but yeah, I'm totally invested in, in the Wild now. So I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm disappointed you had to think that long as a native Minnesotan because I still feel betrayed by the North right. Stars. Right, well, some people do, and some people move on. And live rational lives. So. I picked up on that. <laughs> <laughs> don't make me don't make me make you sing another song. Um, uh, okay, so I asked you uh, Neil Diamond, Kevin Bacon. I may ask you to sing a Neil Diamond song, but you ever played Three Degrees of Separation from Kevin Bacon? I never have. I mean, I'd, I it was a Three Degrees or Six Degrees. It might be Six Degrees. It depends on how far you want to go. Yeah, I suppose. This. Yeah. Doing my Google search, it, they say six degrees, okay. but I figure with the same last name, you might as well be able to go three. Right. You haven't played it, huh? <laughs> no. All right. Now, I, no. now you know what to do when you go No, I, I was able to convince a bunch of people overseas one time that Kevin Bacon was my uncle. A, a friend of mine, Brian Prestigard, um, he made up an email address, like oh. Kevin Bacon, whatever. Genius. And he would email me. Be like, oh, just getting offset, Neil, just checking in. <laughs> and they believed it. It was Terrible. awesome. All right, well, but he's not really related to you. He's not. Okay. He's not. Nope. Maybe he'll hear this and he'll go, maybe, maybe he needs to look you up. You guys could sing a duet because I hear he plays uh, maybe. Plays a little guitar too. It's possible. But Anything is possible. That is true. Like another song. Got one in mind? Um, I honestly don't. Um, you know, I mean, different songs are for, for different occasions and different settings and stuff like that. Like, some of the songs that I did at the at the event are, are aren't necessarily made for the for like an intimate um, type setting. So I was I was thinking about that, going okay, both pretty thoughtful and and thought inspiring and a little bit sad. We had a fun event out here, so you, you played a bunch of different songs at that. Why don't you play us one of those? Okay. Everybody will dance in their living room a little bit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, this one, um, I did this one. This is by Sublime. It's called um, Boss DJ. Okay. Do you know Sublime? Oh, yes, I do. But this is a deep track. This is a deep track. <laughs> nice. 
There's a steel train coming through well, I would take it if I could And I would not lie to you Because Sunday morning soon will come When things will be much easier to say Upon the microphone like a boss DJ But I won't walk on the palm sea like it was dry land The boss DJ, he ain't nothing but a man no trouble, no fuss, I know why, cause it's so nice, I wanna hear the same song twice, it's so nice, I wanna hear the same song twice, rumors are going all over my town, but they're just stones and sticks, upon the microphones where I'm going to fix, just let the love take a hold, cause it will if you let it. Funky, not a junkie, but I know where to get it. No trouble, no fuss. I know why, cause it's so nice. Wanna hear the same song twice. It's so nice. Wanna hear the same song twice. Ooh, -wee, girl, ooh, -wee, girl, ooh, -wee, girl, ooh, -wee. the road in the rainy little town, the ways. Really ain't no time to hate Ain't got no time to waste Time to hate Really ain't no time to waste No waste Yeah So Mr. DJ Don't stop the music I wanna know Are you feeling the same way too? I wanna rock it with you Girl, ooh Girl, ooh Girl, ooh what I got. <laughs> Sublime. There you go. <laughs> oh, hey, I'd, uh, I'd like to thank you for coming on the podcast with me. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. This has been a whole lot of fun. And uh, if I ever want another mu musical guest, you will be my second call. Okay. Because I usually don't repeat guests. Right. No offense. Right. But That's okay. Yeah, it'll be all right. <laughs> but honestly, um, Neil, thanks for showcasing the talent and some of the awesome folks that we have out here at the wing really appreciate it speaking of showcasing the talent that we have out here one degree of separation from neil bacon his recruiter sheila jessner will be my next guest on beneath the wing so please join me then thanks